0: If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. Maven makes the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. The brand new B7 represents the expansion of their compact lineup and is designed to be more compact and portable than their acclaimed B3 Bino. With a smaller objective lens, the binocular takes a significant leap in terms of size reduction. The B7 is available in both an 8x and 10x option, making it their most compact premium binocular yet. If you're looking for something that will fit in your pocket for deer hunting, turkey hunting, or scouting missions, but still want crystal clear optics, check out the new B7 from Maven. All their optics come with lifetime no-fault warranty. If you run it over with your truck or your significant other chucks it at your head, they'll repair or replace it. Use code EastMeetsWest-GIFT for a free gift on any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. Better Backstrap's mission is to provide the highest quality seasoning for the meat you work so hard for. They wanted to give hunters another choice besides the big box store brands full of fillers and preservatives. Born right here in Pennsylvania, Better Backstrap seasonings will turn up the taste of your wild game. Right now, you can pick up their sampler gift box, which includes gun season garlic, tall tine taco, and the original seasoning in a custom gift box. You can use the code West for free shipping at BetterBackstrap.com. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line, heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsman, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can, is capable of holding up to 1600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop 10 on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to DiamondbackCovers.com.
1: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Jonathan Wilkins. Jonathan is an avid waterfowl hunter, bear hunter, deer hunter, wild game cook, and the founder of Black Duck Revival from Arkansas. We discuss Jonathan's journey to bow hunting, bear hunting in the big woods, hunting smarter, wild game cooking living a filled life and much more this was a swap cast with the black duck revival podcast we were out in utah at a sick event when we recorded this it was really cool to sit down with jonathan and experience his great cooking firsthand and how he utilized all of the stuff around the area we were at to you know embody that into his meals so it was really cool But on this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, we have a story coming from John Michael Tussle out of Pennsylvania. So if you might recognize that name, John Michael wrote in uh, a few weeks back. So he sent in a bunch of different stories here. So I'm kind of sprinkling them in uh, through these Mountain Buck Mondays. So he wrote in in 2020, we ran several cameras in several areas and we located an area where Crick Bottom Made a sweep and had several trails connecting to a staging area on the public that bordered a private cornfield. With several nice bucks frequenting a scrape we put in, I was confident we would get an opportunity. On November 4th, I headed into the spot well before daylight, planning to sit all day. At about 10am, with action being slow, I picked up my rattling antlers and decided I was going to try and make something happen. I did a longer sequence than normal, lasting almost 10 minutes, and I hung up the antlers. I turned and started glassing around me and across the freshly cut corn and saw a buck come charging out of the tree line nearly 800 yards away. Unsure if the buck had heard me or was just cruising out, I picked the antlers back up and made as much noise as I could, rattling and raking the limbs around me. When I picked my binos back up to look for the buck, he was gone. Assuming he would dipped back into the tree line, I took my binos back down, only to see him on a dead run across the field, now only maybe 300 yards out. Realizing he had absolutely heard me the first time and now had pinpointed the sound, I got my bow ready and waited. He charged all the way across the field with his tongue hanging out and began frantically looking for a place to jump the trees, lying on the edge of the field to get onto the public. He finally did and came directly to me offering an 18-yard quartering away shot, which I capitalized on, and he made it 20 yards before crashing. After a few phone calls for help, we got him almost two miles out. He was a gorgeous eight-point point in my second mountain buck on public land in two years. Well, congratulations again, John Michael, and this isn't the last one we'll hear from him because he, he's had a really good last four years in Pennsylvania, really learning how to, how to utilize some of these areas in these public land areas. And in this situation, utilize private to, you know, be someplace that these, these deer wanted to hang out as far as having the food source that you don't typically find in other areas in the mountains. So that was awesome work and a really nice buck. So if you want to check it out, go over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook, and you can check out John Michael's big eight point there so head over there if you have a mountain buck story you want to submit you can send it to my email com. now please understand that it might take a little bit for me to get back to you but i do receive the emails and uh have them all scheduled to go out i don't pass up on anybody's uh stories i share them all so if uh if uh i I don't get back to you right away, I will it just uh takes a little bit of time, but thanks everyone who's been submitting all these stories have a ton to be able to share for the rest of this fall so currently, as you're maybe listening to this or as I'm recording it you know i I w- am in Alaska at this time moose hunting, so hopefully the hunt's going good at this point and uh super excited this is an absolute dream hunt of mine, and uh so I'll be uh away and have no. No access to any email or phone or whatever, so uh, which I'm definitely uh, looking forward to. But uh, one thing I did want to uh, mention is I do have a promotion going on on my website right now. If you go to EastMeetsWestHunt.com/shop and look at the beginning, you'll see the information. But I'm giving away some Sica. Uh, Uh, East meets West hunt collaboration hats. So I have a special run of subalpine and elevated two hats um, that I'm giving away with orders. All the details are there on the website, but you can get them for free uh, with orders off of the, the website. So go check that out. And it's got a really nice leather patch that That has been done there, and uh, I'm really pumped with how those turned out. So if you want to go check that out, again, eastmeetswesthunt.com slash shop. All right, with that being said, let's jump into this episode, and I hope everyone has a great rest of your week.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This week in tandem with East Meets West podcast, I'm in western Utah, and uh, I'm joined by... Bo Martonic he's joined by me Jonathan Wilkins and this is a swap
0: cast yeah Um, I'm excited Jonathan it was funny we were uh I was talking to you I was like I'd love to get you on the podcast and you were like well I want to get you on mine so we're like let's just do kind of a a swap cast and and do kind of a a joint thing and just have a have a good conversation because it's been fun fun to get to to know you over the last few days and just I don't know kind of BS and learn each other's lives sure, a little bit. Sure. And it helps so much versus like doing these podcasts over a computer with someone you never met. It's a little bit more difficult yeah. and and getting to getting to meet you and just kinda learn a little bit about you has been pretty cool.
1: Yeah man, it's been cool couple of days. I think other folks are staying longer. I gotta get my butt back to Arkansas, but uh Yeah man, it's it's uh I would say this man, like this these sorts of events, right, which, like, this is a – I guess this is a PR event, right, for yeah. Sitka's shooting some content, and they got some media folks and all that stuff. And it's, it's like, it's still weird for me, you know, like, to show up to a place and, you know, like, be listed. Like, you know, they've got, like, a call sheet, and it's, like, talent, ambassadors, media. It's, It's – I'm getting more comfortable with it. I kind of hope I'm never – all the way all right with, yeah you know i mean like i don't want to believe my own bs but uh it's it's really awesome to get to come to places like this man like just pristine habitat beautiful uh i mean that in itself is a privilege man
0: yeah no it, it totally is and i i'd never been to utah before i've been all over the western states yep. and been lucky to just i love traveling out here and seeing things and utah is really beautiful it's a cool
1: place man i've i mean i hunted here in like late late season for elk and it was like all snowed in you know mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool because the critters stand out like whoa you know and like i'm not i've been doing some western hunting the last few years but like i just i don't have western eyes you know like just people pick up these things they're like i never would have seen it you know yeah i hunt at home i hunt real tight stuff you know like you you're not getting a 50 yard shot where i hunt yeah uh so it's you know, like I like I like being out of my element enough. Like I don't want to be like completely <laughs> floundering, but it's great to be places and and kind of learn new skill sets and realize that, like you could never you could never hunt all of the cool stuff in this country. No, right? You couldn't hunt all the cool stuff in the state you live in.
0: No, you no, you can't. No, it's funny. Like so, one thing I've learned like from Western hunting for the last I don't know eight years or whatever I've been doing it for is it's actually helped me a lot back home, even though like the landscape's so much different. You know, my cousin phrased it in a way. He's like, when he's hunting mule deer in the open country and watching how they bed and they shift beds and do that, he's like, what are whitetails are doing at home? It's just all woods and you can't see them. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of gives you a, a different perspective and you can see how they're using the terrain, the landscape where a lot of this stuff, when you're in the thicker woods, like you're at in Arkansas where I'm at in Pennsylvania, it's just like these deer and these animals are just like, a lot of it is assumption of like what they're yeah. doing versus you can get more confirmation by looking through glass and stuff out here
1: that man that's a really great point because it uh, i don't know if i had i don't know if i'd categorize it that way in my mind but yeah absolutely i'd say like with turkeys you know that's what i'm coming out west mostly to hunt i'm taking like one uh elk of the year out here but in utah but everything else i've done thus far is oh no i killed a pig in california i guess few months ago but it's turkeys and like this you can like watch them you know like i've never i've never seen a turkey while i was turkey hunting in arkansas yeah you know but like until they're right there no i mean never i've never seen a turkey when i was trying to find one in arkansas oh really yeah i've never killed a bird in arkansas okay (laughs) you know like yeah there's it's a got we've got terrible populations you know like arkansas is not in good shape with turkeys uh i'm you know becoming slightly more proficient but i'm not will primos or anything you yeah know? And like it's uh yeah no i've never i've like i went like a thousand miles away to get a bunch of turkey experience in because that was kind of like my best way
0: to catch up yeah i wasn't was... i wasn't gonna do it at home you know it's 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 i've only turkey hunted out west one time and it was kind of by accident i was bear hunting in montana and ran into a guy that was a listener to the podcast and was like hey we shot a turkey way back in here in the mountains, and he's like, we're going to be leaving. If you guys want to go, like, there's turkeys there. And, you know, basically gave us a spot to go back in and check out and went back in. And uh, my brother was a Montana resident. He had a turkey tag, and I called in a Miriam's Tom for him, and he, oh, and he awesome. ended up killing it. And it was so cool to, to see that. And, and I'd never even seen a Miriam's bird before. Yeah,
1: there's something else with that, with that with those white tail feathers. Oh, they're, like, beautiful. It looks like they're glowing. When they get backlit by, by sun, It they look it's almost like this pulsating low. Yeah. No. You, do you chase turkeys a lot in Pennsylvania?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's That's kind of like
1: a sleeper state for turkeys, but like y'all get a bunch of them, right?
0: It, it depends on the part of the state. So, like, where I'm at, it's, it's low densities of turkeys. They used to be. When I was a kid, they were everywhere. Yeah. And now it's it, it's – I'd say it's on, at least in the areas that I hunt, it's on the upswing again. Like, this year was really good seeing a bunch of birds and, and being around. But it's just, like, two and just – where I hunt, there's no ag land. There's no anything. It's just Appalachian mountains and woods. So it's like, unless you, well, when you hear them, you hear them, but it's just like, there's not, you you don't see it that many, like they're not coming out in the field or doing anything like that. So it's, it's, it's tough hunting. Uh, and, uh, the last few years, I haven't shot a turkey up until then. I would usually, I'd usually shot a turkey every year. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it is like, there's parts of the state though, that are loaded with them too. And then there's other parts that just are probably worse than where I'm at. So it's just kind of a kind of a mixture. Like we were talking last night about like, you know, densities and areas and how it's just like, it fluctuates so much.
1: Well, you seen that there's this, uh, meme thing floating around on Instagram or whatever. And it's like, uh, if you want to catch a lot of fish, you should go to a place with a lot of fish. <laughs> and that's like, honestly, that's the most true thing I have found about hunting. Skill set absolutely matters. Woodsmanship matters. Proficiency with your weapon matters. Best thing to do is go someplace where there's a
0: lot of opportunity. You it you know, it's like it's 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 like the same thing of like, all right, if your goal is to shoot a hundred and seventy inch white tail, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't pick Pennsylvania. Is it possible? Yeah. But I'd probably go to an area that has higher density if that's what your goal is yeah. to to be able to you know to be able to to do that and and uh, it's you kind of got to be honest with yourself on on some of those things and what you can make happen.
1: Well, and we were talking about it too, man. It's like anyone who doesn't say that you know the idea of luck, you know, is when you know you heard that people say like luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? Like you can do a lot to prepare for when you get lucky. But I mean I've never, and I know people do this, you might be doing this. I've never hunted a specific buck. You know, I've killed some deer that I was like stoked about and I thought they were real cool man, but I've never tried to pattern one specific buck and target them. You know, I've I've had most of my success during the rut, <laughs> you know, which is like yeah. dude a lot of people forget that like you're hunting animals at they're acting totally different than they would the other 11 months out of the year right yeah so like i don't know if you want to call that luck but that's something kind of out of your control now there you can pattern that stuff and i just put myself in a position where i thought there would be deer coming through I read sign you know and then i tried to who we got coming through here hey <laughs> uh but yeah man i mean like i feel like i've gotten lucky a lot you know
0: yeah, and and I guess the way this is the way I'll phrase it. So I I have targeted specific bucks and and it's worked out a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not definitely not like uh, the regular where I've does been it feel able feel
1: different if you get that.
0: Yeah, yeah, get that animal. Um, yeah, it, it does. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say it feels more special, but it feels different. It's it's cool to like. Okay, this was a deer that I was really trying to figure out. But I will say like. And, and at least in the areas that I hunt, like I said, in the big woods, there's not primary food sources necessarily from their going to these fields or anything. There's definitely a ton of assumptions that have to line up yeah. to, to yeah. make that, that work out. And then the way I look at the rut is I, I think the rut, Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it luck. Luck is definitely a part of it, but I think it's like you get in these spots and it's like being patient and just like, waiting it out like it's like picking a good spot that but you also i know people that'll just like pick a random tree and it, you know yeah it works out too so it's kind of a a mixture there but they're definitely not in their right brains they're they're thinking with a different part of their body than their brains at that time yeah yeah man and it's uh you
1: you know that's also like i don't use trail cameras right Mm -hmm. and it's because you know what still when i'm like when i'm hunting you know and i'm like i want there to still be some magic to it you know like i remember telling my dad when i started hunting because i didn't grow up hunting or anything and i was telling my dad about like bow hunting deer because the way i started hunting was like bow hunting deer basically and i said man it's like unicorns you can be paying attention and not hear anything and turn around and there's like this you know everyone's had that there's like this doe just like looking up at you and you're like how did you show up here and i love the magic of not knowing i mean look i'm trying to put myself in a fortuitous situation but i love that ultimately it's not in my control and it's man it's i I still get like a little giddy like when yeah one comes within range and i'm like i picked the right spot i read sign right i didn't know what was going to happen uh and like i'm stoked about does coming through i mean i'm stoked about uh i'm stoked about you know big bucks i've never killed like a the biggest deer i've ever killed is the first deer i killed Really, okay, he was. I mean, uh, he's how not, old were you then? Twenty-seven. Really? Yeah, I bought that bow. I told you that same one I'm hunting with. Yeah. Uh, at where did I get it? It was like a four hundred dollars setup, and it was like four arrows, the case. You know. Ooh, oh, whoa, oh, 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 whoa, whoa. oh. Ugh. Oh, we had a dog come through. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't cool. I'm gonna have to ask this lady to. Kid or dog, dude?
0: Yeah, that's a whole nother situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, how's it sound? Still sounds
1: good to me. It's still running. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: cool. All right, we just roll the punches. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, you're talking about your your first your first. Oh pop. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah man, it was like just like a four hundred dollar setup. I got the bow, the Plano case. It had a whisker biscuit, uh, like a five pin sight, and like some some ammos that were had some camouflage pattern which i quickly realized was a bad way to recover your arrows
0: yes yeah i, I, I went down that route before too <laughs> uh, But yeah no i got him
1: i had that bow for like two weeks and i got that deer and was super stoked about it and uh you know i've been able to take some other deer with that same bow and uh yeah, you're still using that bow today right mm-hmm. i got made fun of when i was turkey hunting my buddy Jay Byer was taking pictures for Sitka, and he saw the, he saw me. He's like, "Dude, that's an old bow." <laughs> I'm like, "What are you talking about, man?" And it's you know I shoot it with. I've got two pins on it. I did take the whisker biscuit off like three years ago and put a like a drop away on it. Yeah, uh, I shoot. A sportsman's Warehouse it was like sold these 400 grain. It was like thirty five dollars for 400 grain uh, 12 pack of arrows. And I'm just like, I've been shooting that the whole time, man. Like, cut them down at home and refletch them. And... Just simple. Dude, super simple. You know, sh- I shoot a, I killed that first deer with a Rage, but I've been shooting Montex, uh, which I like a lot. I'm, and they work for turkeys, like 100-grain Montex they work for turkeys. I've killed a couple of bear with them. Uh, I'm not really like a gearhead dude. You know, I like
0: I like to find something that works and, and if it's don't change it unless there's a reason for it you know yeah no no that that totally makes sense and like so i'm i'm the opposite when it comes to i'm i've become a gearhead and uh i i've, I've said it before it's like that there's a detriment to that of like learning new equipment and getting comfortable with it and doing everything I was, when we were talking when i was up in alberta i was sick of hunting at uh jim hole's place his outfitter up there and he was like He's like, I know when the when the killers come into camp because they got these old bows that are worn in the yeah, yeah. strings. He's like, they know their setup is basically what he's saying. He's like, True. they know. He's like, someone comes in with a brand new bow; there's not a scratch on it. It looks, you know, pristine. He's like, I, I, I you know, I start. I'm like, hmm, how is how, this going to work out? A bit but, more of a dilettante, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just kind of interesting, but well, I also know like my limitations. You know, like.
1: And I guess this has changed a lot as, like, the proliferation of western hunting. But, you know, the buddy that kind of showed me the ropes and got me on a hunt, he was like, dude, it's completely unethical to shoot over 40 yards. And I wouldn't say that that's the case. You know, like, I've seen lots of people that, I mean, that tax stuff, like, there's a whole bunch of people here that could shoot, ethically shoot an animal at 75 yards, I'm sure. Yeah, Chris B. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I know I can't. I've, the furthest I've ever been from an animal and uh, taken one successfully in a bow hunt was 25 yards. I've killed everything inside of that first deer I killed at 12 yards. I killed a bear at five yards. Like my skill set is being able to be close to them. It's not in shooting. Yeah. And so, and like, there was like kind of a minute where I was like, man, I, I really need to be able to shoot 80 yards. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I see why it would be important for somebody else, but like, I'd rather, that's also part of the experience that I like, like, i like being right there getting
0: close yeah no it's it's fun like when when my whitetail setups i try so hard to like get my setups are set up so i can shoot within 20 yards like that's my goal is to have a 15 yard shot i really don't want any closer than that that's about like a sweet spot Get any closer kind of gets tough too but you know to, to do that when you get an animal at that range it's like just that alone is like you won like, you know, you, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got, you were able to be in there and be kind of undetected besides that damn blow, damn doe that just seems to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those, well, you know what it is? A lot of people say it's like, that's the part
1: of the game that I like. And I, I don't look personally, I'm not participating in hunting as like a sport. I don't think it's a sport. It's not a game to me. This is like a part of my life. This is how I feed my family. This is like how I get sustenance and personal validation and all this stuff. Right. Uh, and I, you know, not to like hippy dippy it too much, but you know, like I'm, I'm mostly known as like, a a waterfowl guy, right? Like a bird guy. I'm super interested in animal vocalizations. Like I spent a ton of time like learning. I spent a ton of time learning to run a duck call. Right. Uh, same thing with like a speckle belly call. Same thing with like, uh, mouth diaphragms for turkeys. Right. I love the communication. I love the, the back and forth. Uh, and i what I'm really trying to do is like enter that world. It's not that I'm necessarily, I guess, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm trying to beat them. I feel like I'm trying to convince them. You know what I mean? Like, or like when you're calling ducks, you know, and you break ducks up in the sky and they come down and you call them all the way in, man, like you, you kind of entered a different uh, wavelength or plane for a second, right? Like it's, it's a, I don't know, transcendental even a little too intense maybe, but that's what does it for me. Like I, you know what I think about that bear I got this year? I think about looking up and seeing that bear, like just basically walk to the tree I was in. And it's not the, it wasn't the loosen the arrow at it. It was that chunk of time when it made it 30 yards from over the knoll where I couldn't see to where it was right there. That was like so special. And I was I was watching that animal be a bear. Yeah. You know? I mean that bear had no idea it was there. I saw it was like fly on the wall. I got to see something special and magical that like most people
0: where I live aren't gonna see. You know? No, and that and and that that was interesting when you were talking about that that bear story with me. And I, I wanted to, to kind of talk about that because it's it's so interesting. You were talking about like your woodsmanship skills with bears, whether you want to admit it or not, is pretty is is pretty serious, in my opinion, as far as oh, like that's nice to say. Yeah, yeah, The way the way that you look at it, and you so kind of describe about that, like because you were, you killed two bears with your bow, right, in Arkansas? Yeah, last well, couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, and so how are you? Like, how are you kind of doing that with like you know you the thick timber and woods and just like you know bears can be anywhere.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so like most bears in Arkansas are are killed over bait. There's like there's like more than two zones, but there's essentially two zones that are basically huntable. Zone one's up in the Ozarks. That's like where Northwest Arkansas is and stuff. And the Ozarks have a ton of private in holdings, right? So there's like all these people have cabins and 10 acres and stuff within the national forest. Mm-hmm. The Wachita's where I hunt, which is a different, you know, mountain range in Arkansas that runs from like basically like outside of Little Rock into the Badlands in Oklahoma. Uh, and there's not all those in holdings. So up in zone one, baiting is legal. And the reason bathing is legal is because it's hard to kill bears. And for 20 years, they were taking like 20 bears a year in Arkansas, and they need to take like 500. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm down in this place.
0: The Sport and Forge app utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement with over 30 years of GPS color data, trail camera data, academic and state research. The app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. The latest update is huge. One feature that I'm using a lot during the rut is LIDAR. LIDAR basically removes the trees from the landscape and allows you to see every nook and cranny, logging road, boulder, etc. With some areas having one meter data, which just means that you can see any deviation in the land as small as three feet. During the rut, I will look for logging trails that intersect with key terrain features such as ditches or draws to funnel deer movement. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. I hadn't messed around with modern muzzleloaders until last season, and when my buddy had a CVA, I was extremely jealous of the ease of use, accuracy, and ability to take some brush beating. I couldn't wait to get my hands on one for myself. CVA doesn't only build badass muzzleloaders. Their centerfire rifles are quality built and budget friendly, built for deer camps across the country. Head over to bpioutdoors.com slash CVA to check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range. You can use code West 10 for 10% off CVA products and accessories.
1: All that to say, I'm at a place where, like, there's no baiting, right? So that automatically makes it a lot harder, right? It's also a low-density animal. But just like the fish thing, first thing to do is go where you know there's bears, Like, I know they're in the Wachita's, I know they're not going to be in the delta where my duck lodge is, right? So go to the the place where they're at, right? And then it was just walking. That's all it was. It was walking and going places. Like, my buddy Clay Newcomb was like, dude, they're going to be in the thickest, nastiest stuff. So when I first started trying to find one, I just hunted the most miserable stuff. I, I took it a little bit too literally, and I just hunted the most miserable stuff, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I looked for sun. It took me 13 days to find a pile of bear scat. And, like, I was I was getting a little worn out. You know I mean? Yeah. I, I'm averaging 10 miles a day. I'm driving three hours to go hunt, and then driving three hours back at night, and then turn around and doing this, like, day after day. But, so I hunted all year, never saw a bear, and I basically just learned a bunch of places where they weren't. And then I went back and kind of refined that, and... Didn't get one the next year. And then I went back again, and I was getting my butt kicked. For, well, it was opening day. I felt like I was getting my butt kicked, and then I ran into one. And that was luck. Like, I came across a bear. But last year, what I did was I had keyed in. You know, I'd figured out they're not going to be where there's pine trees. They're going to be where there's food. They're going to be where there's white oaks. They're going to be where there's black gums. That's where they're eating where I'm at, right? And so I just walked that stuff, try to be quiet try and play the wind a little bit i'm looking for trees you can tell when they've been up in a tree they'll climb a tree like a squirrel and walk and i've seen them do this they whip right up there they walk around the branches they eat the acorns off the branches if they haven't hit the ground yet that's their food source that's how they you know they enter that state of torpor it's not true hibernation or whatever but yeah and so and then i'm looking and i'm finding bear poop and i you know i probably kicked open 200 piles of bear poop when i was hunting this year i kick it open and be like how long has it been there and I'm like, well, you know, it's pretty freaking dry up here. The water holes are dried up. That thing, you know, it's not going to stay moist for as long, you know. And I'm just trying to figure that out. But basically, just do that, find the freshest poop you can find, and then hang out. Yeah. And I did that. I found, I had two, I didn't even tell you this because I missed a bear last year before I killed the other one. I, I was down in this spot, and I was just getting worn out by mosquitoes. And whatever, man. I was about to take a picture for Instagram with just like this... This bear marked tree where it got yeah. up and scraped. And I hear something. And you know, like you just keyed in, you can tell it's something of size. And just coming out of this gunch, uh you know, just like growed up stuff, like green briar and poke and all that stuff. this I see the shape of a bear, right? And I was like, oh. And then I saw another one and I got scared because I was like, that's a mom and cubs. I was like, I'm up. And they're like 30 yards away from me. And I still can't see them clearly. Were you in a tree at this point? And I was on the ground. Okay. Man. And, uh, uh these two bears popped out big bears i mean big bears for where i live i'd say 300 pounds each yeah this was so cool dude they came out i'm 25 yards from them and they'd start wrestling they're playing man i mean it's amazing rawr, rawr, rawr. they're like wrestling playing <laughs> one gets like laying on its back and then the other one gets up and like kind of goes back to the thick stuff and just feeding around this one's just like laying on his back and looks like blue or something you know <laughs> and anyway it's thick Long story short, I got drawn back on one, and I was, uh, you know, couldn't make it happen. So when I was trying to release, when I was trying to, you know, let, let, it down, let it down, I bumped the trigger, and I a shot, a shot an arrow straight into a tree root. Uh, I mean, like, buried it, right? I was like, dang it. But they they didn't really uh, booger. So I got another one on there, and I, like, took my time, and I lined up, and I had, like, a spot, like, probably about a beach ball spot to shoot through. And I'm, you know, it was 20 Three yards, like I felt like I could make that right. I took my time, I shot, and I heard whack, and I was like, like I hit something, right? But the bear just like stood up, and or he was already standing up, but he kind of like went forward a little bit, and just looked around, and then went back to doing his thing, right? And I was like, what is going on? And so I got three, I had three killing arrows, and so I tried to shoot another one, and then he like boogered off, he, he like jumped because that one made a big smack, and he. Jumped off, and he ran up 20 yards from me, clear as day, nothing in between us. I got no more arrows, right? <laughs> he never, like, saw me. He never. He just sauntered off. So I go down there, and I'm, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm about to have to trail this bear or whatever. I find both the arrows. There's no hair. There's no blood. One's in a tree. One's, like, down in this dry creek bottom. Long story short, I replaced my broadheads, and I put... Somehow I messed up and I put 85 grain broadheads on this thing instead of my hundreds, and they just flew wonky. You know? And I, dude, you want to talk about soul crushing? I'm like, I just had that many opportunities and like at 20 yards. But so what I did was I sat there for like an hour, snuck out of there, came back a day and a half later in the afternoon, went up a tree. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I got to get up above this gunch so I'm not take that out of my equation yeah and i just sat in the tree man and i read a book and i got like to the last page of the book and i put it down and put it in my uh my little pocket on my vest there and like a minute later this other bear came out and i got like a great shot which is like i'm totally fine with man like i had some failure what i what would have really messed me up is if i had put a bad shot on that bear yeah you know like uh, but I learned a lesson, too, right? Like, I just, like, one little mistake. And it's because, like, I'm using the same aero setup for 10 years. Like, all I got to do is swap the broadhead. You know, it's the exact same thing. It's flying the same. Like, they're I got the inserts in. They line up with my veins. However, you know, I've learned how to do it. Uh, but, yeah, man, I just, like, grabbed the wrong thing. And, the, and, I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm, like, back of the truck, and I'm, like, looking. I'm, like, dude, an 80. Oh, my. Like, you know, and it's, like. It was preventable if I had been a bit more thorough, and so it was, it was like a lesson I learned that was harmless, like, no bears were hurt in the making of this hunt, right?
0: Yeah, no, and I mean, that's good on you to keep, keep after it and keep, like, trying, because that's, that's a soul-crushing thing of, like, just, like, everything, like, you feel, say you go into that and you feel confident, and then you just feel, like, at the lowest of lows, like, I can't do anything, you know, at least that's the way I get sometimes. I would have had to stop hunting for the season. If I,
1: if I had found blood, I would have been done
0: yeah you know and 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 too so there was um there was another point in that that when we were talking before you were talking about kind of hunting that middle of the day even when it's hot oh or like bear 30? The, Yeah, bear, bear Yeah, 30 yeah, yeah. what's bear 30 well and i've
1: talked to josh boyd about this and he's hunting like montana and stuff and it seems like it's seems like it's true and like bear 30 comes from clay newcomb uh like i was talking on the phone to him the day i was driving up and i did get that bear and he was like, yeah, man, bear 30, you're on it. But anyway, just for my anecdotal evidence, I'm not, you know, when I started going, I was, like, doing it like deer hunting. Like, I'm out there an hour before sunrise. Uh, I was never seeing bears. And I've gotten to the conclusion, and this is, other people have said this. I'm repeating other people's information. But, like, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to sneak into the woods to bear hunt before the sun's up because I can't see anything. And I think I got way more of a chance of bumping a bear, right? Uh, it seems to me that they're very active, especially in Arkansas. Like, season this year opens up on the 13th of September. It'll be in the 90s. It seems to me they're, like, pretty active in the evening. Right around, you know, that first light, they're going to go and bed 300 yards away, like, from their acorn patch or their berry patch or whatever and chill. And then maybe 2.30, 3 o'clock, start getting late afternoon, they might come back out and – you know, start feeding again. So, it seems like my efforts were were better concentrated, like... Now, I still, like, feel like I'm missing something if I'm not out there, so I'm talking about, like, 10 o'clock, maybe, head out there. Yeah. And then hunt till dark. Uh, But, you, you know, it's just like I was looking at something on your Instagram page, uh, talking about, like, do you want to put miles in or do you want to put good miles in? Yeah. You know, like, I can go sit out there in t- from 5.30 to noon, but... I think my time would be better spent from 10 o'clock to
0: 630. No, no, that's, no, that's, that's exactly right. And I've talked to, you know, a ton of successful whitetail hunters and stuff. And it's like, yeah, just what you said, like the good, you know, putting in the good miles and focused effort versus, uh, you know, like there was a guy that I just had on last week on the, the podcast he was talking about hunting these thermal hub systems. And he's like, if you go into the spot too early, your thermals are blowing up in. If that buck's bedded up there, you're going to blow them out. He's like, it sounds ridiculous, but there's really only an hour out of that day where you have a chance of killing them because of the, the wind as far as you know, blowing up to him, waiting those thermals drop. The sun goes down and starts swooping down. That's when you go in to make the kill. And it's like, for me, I've always had trouble with that because it feels like you're wasting time or you're being yeah. lazy or, or anything, but it's, it's on. I mean, it's just kind of, taking the facts or what's thrown at you and and using that smart versus just trying to you know manpower it or you know outwork it essentially
1: well you know what i mean look i still enjoy that part of the hunt right like i i really really like walking in the woods and finding small things that i that are new to me right like, yeah oh man that's the first time i found some owl pellets oh man that's the first time i found like a chinkapin oak right like this kind of acorn or i mean like i'm talking about like boy in a creek type stuff i love it like oh here's a little pool in the middle of the wachita is like this big and there's crayfish and stuff and i can tell in the algae where the raccoons have been scraping their hands trying to catch these like i love that stuff right do all that stuff before season spend all day out there stinking up the woods before figure out get some idea what's going on like all that walking around and being in these mountains and stuff like i was trying to get down in the bottom like way down in the bottoms you know like hollers where i'm from that's what you call it yeah and it, the way this, this piece of land is, man, is, and I don't, I, I'm trying to talk around this. I don't want nobody to know where I'm hunting at. <laughs> but, uh, it's like you start, you start up top high. Yeah. Right? And then if you want to get down to the bottom one, it's hard as hell. Like you're sliding down scree slides or like, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to tie ropes. It's like gnarly, right? Probably not safe and smart. Uh, but the wind and the thermals are doing something completely different on the top, like they're it's going up in the morning, right? Yep. But you get about halfway down that mountain and it starts to go down, especially if there's a body of water that's pulling. Yes. Right. There was no way. There was no way because of the one side of it was landlocked by private. I the best way to be coming downstream and walk up against the thermals, I couldn't. And it's like, dude, I could bust my tail, and all I'm going to be doing is broadcasting my scent down this. The middle of this holler and just frustrating myself and you know what Well, i killed these bears
0: i killed them up top you know like because i can't beat a bear's nose no you can't and, and and you've just made such a good point too of like and you being in there early is what made you learn as far as what the thermals and stuff are doing yeah. because you could go to another area five miles down the road that looks similar but maybe the body water isn't as big or maybe there's not as much shade down lower and maybe That still you have an upward thermal lower down, but it's all dependent on that specific area. You know what I mean? Like it's all so specific and, and, you know, we run into that a lot with access. Like you can, you can map out perfect access relatively easy by just using some common sense with wind Mm -hmm. and thermals, but it's not always possible. Yeah you know especially yeah you have access on top or maybe you just have access in the bottom whatever it is or there's private land or what and there's a spot i'm hunting in west virginia it's like that it's like i found the spot that i think i could kill a buck it's just like you know just a real steep draw coming up and just a little flat spot that's there and then it's real steep again it's like these deer are walking right there yeah. it's perfect but you know to come in on it i can't come in from the bottom because it's private down there yeah. it's like how am I going to get in there without alerting all these deers I come up over, especially in the morning? I really can't hunt in the morning because all the thermals going to be dropping down and just, like, broadcasting my scent down through. And it's just, that's the reality of it. Dude, my plan, until I find all that sign up top, and, like,
1: that's where I I saw, like, I think it was last year, I saw, like, six bears in three days, which is, like, before that, I had seen one bear, and I killed it. You know what I mean? Like, it was a lot of bears for me. My plan was to get down in that bottom, like, three days early, get down on the downwind side, and camp down there. (laughs) Wait for opening day, man. Yeah. And, like, just, dude, I've had real good success, like, just in life, just doing stuff that other people don't see any value in.
0: Off-the-wall stuff.
1: Dude, like, I bought that old church that I turned into a lodge, man. Like, that was an old rotten shithole to most people, right? I mean, that's what it was, you know? But there was, like, a story there, and, like, with effort— and, like, some intentionality, I turned it into something that, you know, like, other people see more value in now, right? And and is exponentially more special to me. Yeah. Right? Like, being like, uh, man, I, w- I really want to try and, like, you know, spot and stalk a bear in the woods with a bow. Like, it's it's a low success activity. You know? Like, there was no validation from it for years. You know? But, uh the the most validating parts of it are not getting the bears. The most validating parts to me were figuring out where the bears were and seeing them, you know? And I mean, everyone's doing stuff for different reasons, but like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's like part of the experience that I want for it, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, and that's, I, I'm glad you said that, you know, like the, so there was uh, a couple years ago I went to New York and I hadn't hunted there before at all. First time into a spot, just killed a deer in Pennsylvania. I was like, I'm going to go to New York and just have fun with it, I said. I'm not. I'm not going to have any goals as far as size or age of deer or anything. Like my goal is to kill a buck there, and I wanted to do it by just like scouting, finding them, and and hunting essentially. And I was, I worked up, and I was finding just hunter sign everywhere, and I was like, there's tree stands all over, and you know, I was like, all right, I got up to the top, and the thermal started coming up, and I'm like, I'm just going to work these benches around and try to find a feed tree that's dropping it was a little bit you know middle of october and i started coming down and all of a sudden i I caught movement and i glass and there's a there's a small buck just sitting there you say a feed tree are you hunting acorns uh that's what i was looking for was acorns that that specific spot there was actually not any i don't remember i'm not trying to remember the details if it was acorns or beech nuts but uh something was dropping there and i saw I saw the deer, you know, he's feeding in there and I'm like, I was like, if I can get, I mean, he was, he was a, he was a small young deer. And I was like, if I can get, you know, within 40 yards of this deer then I'm going to shoot him, And I just like, just kept, you know, sliding in and just, you know, checking the wind and moving in and using the, you know, the big oaks that were around to kind of, you know, block me. I remember getting to this spot. I got to like, 45 yards of him and i look and he's (laughs) he uh he caught my movement or something and i just stopped so my dad always told me he's like when a deer's looking at you take your hand the back your hand and just go like this. oh like it's a tail like it's a tail flick so i did that and then i tucked behind the tree and i just gave a couple soft grunts Mm -hmm. and i'm just like peeking around i can't see his face at this point and i see his tail just start you know, he got comfortable really? again. And it's a young deer. It might not have sure. worked on an older deer, but he just got comfortable again. And I just watched him feed and feed and feed and coming up and I got him in range and ended up drawing back shooting, putting a perfect shot on him. He went down over and died right there. And I was just like, this was awesome. And I quartered him up and packed him up, packed him up in my pack and, uh, you know, packed him out to the truck and just yeah, that was, that was it. And I was like, that was so fulfilling to me. I had just, you know, two weeks before that shot the biggest buck of my life. And then I just shot the smallest buck and they both meant the same thing. Cause yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. a totally different, uh, scenario and just fun to try something new and learn and challenge myself to do that on the ground and, you know, stalking in. And it was, well, just it's fun. also saying
1: like where, where your proficiency has taken you, right? Like I always tell people, people that, you know, like for duck hunters, Arkansas is kind of like the, the Mecca for American duck hunting, right? A lot of cultural value there, a ton of pressure, uh, you know, and I actually like, I, I don't want, I don't want to see anybody else when I'm hunting. If I can help it, like, I'm not looking to interact with other hunters, any of that junk dude. Like I want to pretend there's no one else. I'm Daniel Boone, right? You know, like that's what I'm trying to do. And what it, but what the competition factor in Arkansas has done is that your proficiency level in like your duck IQ, if you're hunting public land, you know, which is incredibly pressured, it, you've got to get it to a point to where when you then take that someplace else, like, I mean, a mediocre public land duck hunter in Arkansas is way better than like a badass in a lot of other places. It's just because... I mean, like calling is so important, and there's a lot of there's a lot of social cachet in Arkansas with duck calling too, right? But I've been shocked. Like I went to California. this, like super. Uh, it was this. Uh, it was like this super fancy duck lodge used to be owned by the guy that owned the Oakland A's, and now California Waterfowl has it. Uh, I mean, and there's ducks. There's ducks everywhere, and there's like people shooting ducks, but they're past shooting ducks. Like there's wads of ducks flying by, and they shoot them, right? And I was like, like I'm, I want to work ducks, you know? Yeah. I want to break ducks, turn them, and get them to drop down. And uh, I was like, dude, you can just sit out here and shoot ducks. Like, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've passed shot a few birds in Arkansas, man, but like, those birds are wily. They're at the bottom of a, They're right at the bottom of a migration line where they've been harassed. And there's, every, there's a tree behind every Yahoo in Arkansas, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but
1: like, I get a lot of validation from uh, – I don't get validation from, like, uh, size of an animal or the amount of the animal. I get validation from uh, getting in there with them and feeling like I'm operating with them on, on their turf.
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that, that totally makes sense. And, you know, you were mentioning earlier about like how you don't use trail cameras or anything. And like in my home state of Pennsylvania, I use, I use trail cameras a lot and I love data and I love trying to figure out that and try to find trends and understand that. And that's where I think that, like that New York hunt was so special to me. Cause it was like, I just took, like, I, I do love doing that, but at the same time, sometimes I just want to go just hunt just yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and take a different different approach to it and I, I have a lot of buddies that are the same way as you Of just like I, I don't I want to just be surprised you know and just use read sign and just you know and when something comes in and I shoot it's like holy cow this is amazing it worked out you know that that sort of surprise where like when you're running uh, you know, a lot of trail cameras and stuff. A lot of times, you're like, "Oh, there's that buck." You know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. You, you see, and 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 they each have their kind of own places. For me personally, and and uh, a different fulfillment factor. When it, well, when it's it comes a
1: personality to it. type too, man. Like, I'm a person. I'm a person that, like, I think I'm really like internally self-reflective, uh, but I am not. I am not like a numbers analytical person. You know, like I went to college. I was a humanities major. Like I was like reading and like interpreting the why of stuff like in high school my my uh my junior my junior year uh, algebra teacher because you had a choice senior year to take math and, and he's like dude if you take math you're not going to graduate high school Learn more at Marines dot com. And like some people are comforted by numbers and like if you do this then you do this you'll get that result. And that doesn't that doesn't comfort me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like trying to trying to work hard and get good at something and then like trusting my gut and my heart, that's what that's what like makes me feel good, you know? And yeah. uh and then I get a you know ton, you know, like obviously I do a lot with like wild food and like cooking and teaching people that stuff, and I get a ton of validation from like preparing good meals with stuff and sharing that with people that I give a shit about because it's like it's being able to share I mean most of the people that I hang out with in Arkansas like they don't hunt they they've got no the only exposure to like wild game they have is through me and like it's incredibly validating to like be watching our kids play you know and we're like all dadding it up there with our little short shorts or whatever and (laughs) drinking some beers and eating you know eating some venison sliders or whatever it is man like that's a so for to me, man, like the hunt's never really stopping. Like it's all part of it, right?
0: Yeah, no. It I and first of all, for anybody listening, like I was lucky enough last night to have one of your meals. And, oh yeah, we had some grub. Oh man, it was that was incredible. I I uh I think that's so awesome how how you do that and take such passion. I saw you over here picking some stuff that was like Oh yeah. What, yeah, what yeah. were you doing there as far as like for the meal?
1: Uh well, so I just ended up I just like went down to a creek. But that, like, comes in. See, that's where, like, you're talking about woodsmanship, right? Yeah. Like, we're out here. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, this is, like, stuff I'm not familiar with that much. It's, like, aspen. It's You
0: got, you got a mixture of, uh, like, aspen groves and high desert is that like yeah. what it's called. So it's, like, you know where you're probably going to find stuff is where there's water. So I was, like, go down to the creek in that little
1: Elantra that I rented. Uh, <laughs> and, like, there's all sorts of stuff that you could eat down there, right? There's, like, tons of dandelions, which, you know, like, the dandelions that we're used to are European invasive. Uh like, American native dandelions are very, very small. So, like, I go pick some invasive dandelions, right? I pick this stuff. It's called, like, Milna, which you could really make teas and stuff out. I didn't use it. Some of this thistle you could shave down. And, but it's, like, just that. So, like, the salad was, like, mixed grains, chopped iceberg, like this ginger dressing I made. And then, like, a bunch of just chopped up dandelion in it. And it it, it rooted, you knew not to go too far into it, but, like, roots you to the place that we're in. You know this idea of terroir i'm real big in like cooking critters with the stuff they eat you know like take duck you ever processed acorns and eating acorns no it's a pain in the ass but it's like worth it and it's cool to do but you have to like leach the tannins out a bunch and then you like roast them and but man like you take a wood duck you take the legs and thighs off a wood duck and you like you know braise that down and then maybe like mix it with a little bit of like a parmesan reggiano some sort of hard cheese right and then like a uh, some like coarse ground acorns right because that's what they're eating if you kill a wood duck you can pop the acorns out of their throat right and you stuff that in like a little a little very simple just eggs and flour pasta dough make a little ravioli right and you give someone a plate of that right that hits way different than like i got a bunch of beet sticks made See, you can already tell how I feel about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that hits real different, you know? And it's, like, it's, it's very connecting, and it's very grounding. And, like, you know, you could really get self-righteous about it, and, you know, like, the French term would be terroir, right? That, that's what they talk about, like, with, you know, like, you grow this specific grape in this soil, and this soil type, you know, the terroir of it, the terrain, the dirt influences that thing, and it, you f- you taste it, Right? Like, that communicates. So, like, if I serve, like, we met two days ago, right? Yeah. And I like to talk, and we've been talking, and, you know, and the beers and stuff, whatever, right? But, like, if you want to know who Jonathan Wilkins is, man, like, that meal I gave you, that communicates who I am. It communicates what's important to me. It communicates the the food that I feed my family, like, how I sustain myself and the people that I care about. It's, like, how I put stuff together. Like, that. that's a way to communicate who you are you're telling a story with that right yeah uh and that's like that's important to me man and it uh it's not always the the thing that gets like the clicks but it's the thing that makes me happy and like be able to be okay with being away from my family you know and I feel like I should be wiping di- diaper butts or whatever
0: yeah and and also like one one thing is like kind of unique this event that we're at specifically We have some media people here that are non-hunters. Sure. And I think that really speaks to them as far as being able to see – just watch you, you know, in the kitchen that was like a hundred degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. You know, they don't and have an... air
1: conditioning in these Utah places, evidently.
0: Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> Probably because it was covered in like eight foot of snow yeah, like yeah, a month yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but just like seeing the amount of time that you take into doing this and making these special dishes, and that's that's super cool. And I didn't I didn't realize that you had done that like everywhere as far as like trying to cook the game or whatever that you have with some of the surroundings or what they're eating i mean look and like, not
1: always no i'm not saying i'm making that every night dude no i know <laughs> but like but you know what like a lot of nights like this is like one of my kids favorite meals man is uh like i'm busy i got three kids man i got stuff to do right like i'll spend 10 minutes in the morning like i'll sear off a bear roast their favorite thing to eat at the house is bear and like speckle bellies right so like sear off a bear roast throw it in a crock pot with some stuff just crock pot like midwest mom now, I step it up a little bit because, like, I don't buy chicken stock. Like, I roast the bones. Like, I got Sandhill Crane stock and duck stock and bear stock and elk stock. Like, all that stuff in my house. So, I just pour jars of that in there. And then I come home and, uh, like, real talk. Anyone who's listening to this, let me look at it. Dude. T- I've worked in restaurants. I've had restaurants. I've cooked professionally. Dude. Crock-pot bear roast, canned green beans, uh, Bob Evans mashed potatoes from the cold aisle at the grocery store. That's, like, a 10-minute meal. Feeds my whole family. They love it, and I get to sit there and be so stoked that I'm watching my four-year-old or my three-year-old just mow down on a bear. Just, yeah, you know, or like every Christmas they're sitting there just ripping, eating speckled belly goose legs, and dude, that's like, that's serious. So that stuff makes me so happy. It, it's like, it's like being able to share what's like. Maybe you play baseball and you like get to see your kid hit a home run. Man, that's like me getting to see that every night. And it, so it doesn't have to be complicated. There ain't no one anyone who's like these wild game cooks and everything is like a production, they ain't got kids. They ain't got a family. You know, they don't know what it's like to like get puked on at three in the morning and still have to like get your kids ready and go to work and stuff. And like my kids eat a lot of whitetail spaghetti. You know? Yeah. They eat a lot of like That's one of my favorites. Dude, there's nothing wrong with it. It's way more honest <laughs> than going to Walmart and getting ground chuck. My kids eat a lot of like duck breasts. My six year old had a birthday party. We just went up to the park, had our friends, and I had, like, bear carnitas and wild boar carnitas and, like, ducks. And I just had, like, a taco bar. And, you know, I dressed it up, all this, you know, accoutrement stuff. But, dude, those little kids were playing on a slide a half mile from my house, eating bear tacos. And just loving having a great time, you know? Yeah. And, dude, I mean, I felt like a G. Yeah. Like, I felt like a straight G, man. I'm mean, like, yeah, that's what. Uh, ben O'Brien is a buddy of mine. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking. Our kids are like all kind of the same age, and I was like, "Yeah, my kid asked for duck tacos for her, for uh, her birthday, <laughs> and it was like it was like a flex." Yeah, you know he I mean? was like, yeah. "Dude, you got a cool kid." Yeah, can I ask you a question? Since yeah. you've been interviewing me this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like, what I'm real interested in is. Uh, Like, with this this hunting space, what's kind of interesting to me is, like, folks that have... Like, you're essentially creating your own brand, right? I mean, it's not essentially. That's what it is. Yeah. I've got Black Duck Revival, right? You've got East Meets West. Some people, like, their entire brand is their their name or whatever, right? Like, you got, like, Dudley or whoever it might be, right? Uh, But for all intents and purposes, man, this is, like, a very non-traditional way to make a living, right? Yeah. In many ways, it's very fraught because, you know, like, you're... You know, like, the it's from the outside it seems like oh you get a bunch of free gear man and it's like dude you're like constantly have to figure out how to get sponsorships for this like uh whatever yeah so and you said how old you say you were i'm 31 31 right prime of your life man uh how when you decided to do this like not at the level you're at now but when you decided to do this right When you're like, I'm not going to have a nine to five. I'm going to try and make this work, right? Yeah. Uh, Even if you, I mean, like to me, that stuff is exciting and also like wholly terrifying, right? Like I had a kid, I had a wife, I had a mortgage, you know, I was like a firefighter and I was like, dude, that's not serving me. I mean, the, the kid and the wife did, but yeah. <laughs> the other thing, that's not serving me. Like, I got to do what makes me happy. Like, and w- what I like to do is like work with my hands. I like swinging a hammer, but I don't want to build your project. I want to do- build my own stuff. Yeah. You know, I like doing that. I like going to junkyards and having treasure hunts and finding shit. I like cooking meals. You know, I like straight up, man. I like drinking beer, you yeah. know, like I really, have really come around to champagne. Really? Oh dude. You're a champagne guy. Dude, you wouldn't think it. You know what I really like? Some champagne. I like sparkling rose. Okay. And you know, it's what we were talking about too, man. Like, what have I got to prove, man? Yeah. <laughs> like I've done a bunch of hard stuff, dude. That stuff tastes good.
0: Yeah, no. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but anyway, what like when that when that hit and you're like, I'm gonna do this, man, like what what gave you the confidence to say like I can go
0: uh you know, I can blaze my own path, I can make my own way? I guess, I guess for me it was like I I started to see there, there's a couple different things there I, I had a little bit of confidence build up when I started seeing people asking a lot of questions or like when it started you know my podcast was really about like trying and it still is finding adventure like how do you mm. define adventure which can be going to like the most epic place in Alaska or it could be finding adventure in your own backyard and figuring out how to, to, to do that and when i started getting uh, messages from people that were like man like you helped me you know plan my first colorado elk i've never mm-hmm. been east or west of the mississippi like it was so you know eye opening i spent all year getting in shape for it i was eating cleaner i was just like you know become better man or woman at home because of all this and this discipline that it came with it like i just felt good about that and honestly as far as like making it as a living The only thing that I have, I'm not, I'm not really talented at anything, but what I, what I am, I feel good at is not quitting at anything. And I felt like that if I spent enough time doing this and just learning and, and crafting these things over time, that, that I could do it. And if I just didn't quit and just kept. See, okay, something didn't work. All right, I need to shift a little bit, and then just being myself and 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 doing yeah. that thing for a long period of time. I was like, I don't see how it doesn't work. And it wasn't, and that's not me saying like, oh, I think I'm the you know the best in the world at anything. It's not the case at all. It was just like if I put effort into it. Now I was in a little bit different situation, not married, yeah, didn't yeah. have kids, so it was a less less risk that came with it. But I had, you know, I went to college, I had a really good job. What I were had, you, what were you doing before? I was environmental health and safety manager for a manufacturing facility. Oh man. So yeah, so I dealt with um air permits and water quality and, and safety OSHA? training and OSHA yeah, and all yeah. that different stuff. And and honestly, I really I really didn't love doing that at all. Yep. And 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 I understand that like you're not always gonna love the things that you do and like you know, what people see of what we do are like the highlights of it. There's like you said, there's, <clears throat> there's so much risk that's involved with it. Not un- knowing you're not just getting a paycheck every two weeks. And like, you know, one month might be great. The next month might be terrible or year to year. And it's like, but for me, it was like, I want to, I need to at least give this a shot and just go all in on it and see what I can do to, to, to make this, Life fulfilling for me and what I want to do, and and that's just kind of how I took it. And honestly, you know, as analytical as I say that I am, there wasn't a whole lot of analytical. If I would have really dove to, too deep into this, I probably would have talked myself out. Sure, of it sure. Because there's there's a lot of unknowns, and it was more of trusting my gut that I could do it and and figure it out.
1: Dude, that like that not quitting is. Now I will say, dude, like some you do have to know when to walk away from something, and I've. Had to do that many times, right? But, like, I have i think that's kind of one of my skill sets, man, is just, like, endurance. Yeah. Like, dude, I roofed houses for a long time, man. Like, I worked in kitchens for a long time. I've been on some hunts with, like, dudes that are way younger than me and in, like, way better shape. But, like, those cats ain't never, like, hauled shingles for 16 hours for $100 a day because they didn't have food to eat. Like, yeah. like that blue collar, I got lots of issues with, like, you know, like how unhealthy a lot of blue collar, like, construction environments and stuff are, dude. But, like, man, them sons of bitches are tough. And those those dudes, like, the, you know, I worked with, you know, rednecks in Arkansas, man, you know. Like, I'm not saying redneck is a pejorative. I'm talking about, like, country dudes in Arkansas, right? I was the only one up on the roof that had a college degree, right? They thought I was a goofball because of the books I talk about or whatever, man. But, like, those dudes worked, and they were tough. And they didn't stop because they were uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like, they didn't stop because they weren't necessarily being treated right. Like, I've I've never had a job where I was working in a positive environment. I've only worked in jobs where it's, like, dudes yelling and, Cursing and like wanting to fight and like that's most of the jobs I've worked. Yeah, uh, but I work them that way because like I cannot stand, I could not stand to be in an office. I did it for like six months and I couldn't stand it, dude. Like it, it, it just like sucks the soul out of me, man. I like being outside, you know. Like I like, I. This sounds weird. I love waking up. You ever been like? Have you ever like run a sledgehammer all day or just like been? running a fence hole digger, and, like, you wake up the next day, and, like, your hands are, like, yeah. clamped.
0: Yeah, you can't even get them open all
1: the way. Dude, I felt like I earned it, man. You know, and, like, and I'm seeing the detriment to it, man. Like, I've taken a beating, dude. Like, I've, I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure the uh, abuse I've put on my body, like, when I started roofing houses and stuff, like, I don't know if we wearing a face mask. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're just breathing in whatever. But, man, like, there's also this thing where, Life is so finite and so completely unpredictable. And, like, especially working as a first responder, man, like, and not to be morbid, but I've seen people, I've seen so many different ways that people died. I mean, just think of the most graphic stuff, think of things you couldn't think about, young, old, everything, man. You got no control over it. Like, I've seen lots of people that probably deserve to die, that live to 100, and I've seen great people, innocents, just, you know, someone hits you on the highway and you're over, right? Yeah like why not why not try and live the most fulfilling life you can like and i've tried look you're talking good good months of badness i've never had a great month i'll be straight up with you. i've never had financially a great month doing this man but my kids i think that what i'm showing my kids is super valuable you know like that that's not where fulfillment comes from you know like Like, I don't have – I can't go buy my family a half-million-dollar house. But I can buy a foreclosure and bust my ass and remodel that thing, which is what I did. And I put my family in a nice house. You know what I mean? Yeah. By working hard. Like, that's where I can bring value to them. You know? Like, I can't afford – and I'm not, like, impoverished or anything. But, like, I can't afford to go, like, spend $500 on a sushi dinner with my wife. You know what I mean? But I can bring her home something that no one else she knows gets. Yeah, no. Uh, and I can cook that up for her, and I can serve it to her and, and say, like, I love you, and I value you, and, like, I value this thing, and I want you to have it because they're
0: all important to me. Yeah, and you can say that without even saying it in a way. Yeah. Like, that's, and, and You like, can do that with whitetail spaghetti, man. One, one thing that, that I had learned from... I mean, I learned a lot from my dad, but, like, one of the things was, and it wasn't even that, like, he came to me and told me this. It was just from watching it. You know, as a kid, I don't remember this because I was so young, but, he, you know, he worked at a at a, a place where he was working 16, 18-hour days, never home, and he wasn't there when we were growing up younger, and he finally made a decision, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And he started his own business with some buddies of his and just, you know, grinded it out, took a giant pay cut to do it, and just, like make that thing happen, and, and you know, seeing that, and now, like, you know, you know, and he spent so much time in the woods, you know, teaching me, like, that's where I learned most of my stuff was through him. I've been yeah. super lucky.
1: No, i yeah, to, I've to, heard you've, it's several times already, you've, like, referenced, dude, and isn't that, and, like, you don't have kids yet, I mean, I kind of get it, man, but, like, that's some real powerful shit, Yeah, right? Like, that's what being somebody's daddy is supposed to be, yep. you know? And... I said this to somebody the other day. it would I can't remember who man, but like I've almost died probably six times, right, like real close, like some like just doing different stuff, I mean like nothing illegal or anything, but like <laughs> I've just like thought it was gonna be over, right, and I can tell you I know what I thought about, and I know the last time it almost happened, I know the last time I was in a fire and it was like so hot, and I was like this is this is starting to hurt, like I got gear on into my like when you're when your tip of your ears burn dude like you're in bad shape it's like 1200 degrees in there you got to get out right and i know what i thought about when that happened when i was crawling out of that thing pitch black all that smoke and i was crawling out following the line to try and get out before this because i thought we thought the house was going to go like blow and it was my wife and my kids it wasn't how much money i had in the bank account it wasn't what joe schmo down the block thought of me i mean like we're all con- we're all consumed with like what does this person think of me like how am i coming off man but like when it comes down to it and people get th- there's all these deathbed confessions of people are like oh well, i wish i'd loved harder and i wish i had worked less it's like how about you don't wait till you're 80 to come to that realization and you do it on the front end man it's only a kick oh, a jump a block oh. it's only a serve ah. It's only a tackle.
0: A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Because I, I, I also haven't met, as long as you got your basics covered, like you have shelter, food, clothes, you know, like it's nice to be able to do a little something extra. But I've never seen someone grow up and... Be mad at their parents about that. I've seen people never get over the fact that their parents weren't with them, that their parents didn't spend time with them, that they didn't, they weren't involved in the stuff that was important to their mom and dad, right? Yeah. And like, dude, I want my kids around me, man. Like, I want. I d- I doubt that they'll go find an old church and turn it into a lodge and then drive around in a van chasing turkeys. But I want them. <laughs> I want them around me, and I want them to feel capable. And whatever they're doing i mean and like let's be real man like i exist in a space where i like stick out like there ain't no duck hunters with afros you know what i mean (laughs) like but i'm not gonna let somebody tell me that i can't do this thing that i love you know and i don't like i got two little girls i don't want them telling someone telling my my daughter said something about baseball is for boys and i like got in her face and i was like you listen here you won't play baseball you're playing baseball You know, if you don't like it, that's one thing. But don't you ever tell me that you can't do that, you know? Yeah. Like, you might do it and not be good at it, but, like, you want to do that, you do it. And there's a ton you're going to learn from messing up. I've learned way more from not getting critters than I have from getting them.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I always say, like, the toughest seasons when it comes to, like, deer hunting or whatever are the ones I learn from the most than the ones that work out, you know, the first day or whatever. I always joke about, like elk hunting so it took me four years to kill an elk Mm -hmm. i came out and first time was a seven day trip you just coming out and scouting public and hunting just hunting public going in backpacking truck camping the whole deal sure and second year i think i went 10 days third year i went 14 days Mm. i Still never killed an elk. My fourth year, on the first day of a 14-day yeah. hunt, I killed my bull. And there was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's crazy. You know, got it done the first day. I said, that's day 40. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that wasn't, you know, and it might have been the first day of that year.
1: But there was a lot of Well, time. longer than that, man. Because you were rethinking everything that went wrong. Why didn't I do this? So? I mean, yeah, like, dude, that stuff lives in my head. And honestly, it eats at me until I can get over it. You know? And, like, probably to a little bit of an unhealthy level like i should be able to let it go a little bit more and i can once i've like gotten over but man when you got to ride a year out being like oh if i'd only done this one thing a little bit different uh it stinks but it also makes the success like
0: so much more the man i can think of a thing right now where uh last year i was hunting in west virginia and i was there by myself and sleeping in a tent you know by myself and i i'd run run myself down i was just on a hunt and i decided that i was gonna hurry up and get down to west Mm -hmm. virginia and i drove through the night and i got sick because i just my body was run down and i knew this spot i found this spot in october and i was like if i sit there for four days i'm going to kill a buck like i was that confident in it well then i started you know i was you know I said i wasn't feeling well and i was just like you know kind of made some excuses on why not to go there it was hard to get to didn't go there. (laughs) What do you know? I checked my camera three out of those four days. Nice buck came through there. And I keep just uh, kicking myself in the ass. I'm like, I didn't leave it all on the table to be able to do that. And it was more of like, what I should have did was took a day of rest. Yeah, And then went not saying that, Oh, I should have just, you know, you know, grinded it out. I should have been smarter about it and did that. But I think about those things all the time. Whereas, you know, it, it, that, that's such a, a learning lesson that, hopefully if I'm smart, I'll learn from that in the coming years. And when you have those gut feelings, act on them and be able to do that. And I feel like that, that translates to any portion of your life and anything. And I just, I don't know, man, I just, uh, I, I love it. And I just like, I really try to just like put it all on the table. And like I said, I, I've been super lucky. I think one of the things with this podcast is I've learned that there's a lot of people and, you know, you said yourself, you didn't grow up in a hunting family. There's a lot of people that don't haven't had the f- the fortunate ability that i have with having great teachers and a whole family that mm-hmm. did it and my grandfathers and like you know i was sh- i was shooting guns way before i should have been sure. like as far as yeah. as a kid and going out and hunting squirrels and doing all this thing and like you know making those steps where like a lot of people don't have some of those abilities and they and they want to learn it so it's like if i can help do that and help people experience some of those things you know by them learning stuff through you know us talking or whatever else or videos that that i'm able to do that's fulfilling to me
1: yeah man i mean you're like you're like the world's big brother right yeah
0: uh and it's
1: like dude same thing with me like i didn't have that like i didn't have i had like a father who taught me a ton about life and like how to work and all that but like my dad wasn't hunting you know like we didn't have guns in the house i, I wasn't allowed to have water guns so i was like 12 man you know, like I couldn't watch the Simpsons. Like my parents were, <laughs> my parents were teachers. Like they, they focused on education, like reading all that stuff. Right. But it's, it, it it's transferable too, man. Cause like my hunting skill, I've had great friends that have taught me stuff and I've, you know, had mentors. Uh, but ultimately, man, like this is stuff I had to earn and get on my own. And I, I like sacrifice. Like when I just, when I did it for the first time, when I just started hunting squirrels in my homeboy one summer, and I was like, I felt it. was like It felt something like was missing in my life and something felt right. You know, and I was like, dude, this is going to have to be prioritized in my life. I prioritize it over financial security. Uh, now, again, I have to have a baseline because I have children to take care of. But yeah. like I prioritize it really, you know, like above ambition. Like I guess you could say some ambition is tied up in it. But it's also, I've seen that it's really powerful when someone like, whatever, somebody from a city or someone who's like, didn't grow up hunting for whatever reasons, right? They're like, this dude, like, I killed my first animal at 27. I turned 40 in in March. You know what I mean? Like, I went hard, man. You know, like, I hadn't even been hunting for 10 years and I built a duck lodge, right? Like, I wanted it and it mattered to me and I put a bunch of effort into it and I, got to a level of proficiency to where like now people you know like dude i did i like led some panel in arkansas this duck dinner and it's like me and like jimbo ronquest and like if you don't hunt ducks you don't know man but that it'd be like you you had never hunted until you were 27 right yeah and then you're hanging out with uh you know it's like i don't know uh randy newberg and will primos and uh Oh Chuck Adams. Or, yeah, Chuck like, Adams. You, know, yeah. Old Chuck, you got a Chuck Adams mustache, dog. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Hey, it's, look, look in the mirror. <laughs> uh, but it's, that's really validating too because it shows that effort, effort and, and wanting to, I think can get, get you past uh, a lack of experience. And to some degrees too, like, I didn't have to unlearn like, Maybe maybe my grandpa would have just been like a dirtbag bad hunter. And that's what I learned for 15 years. And then I'd have to unlearn that. Yeah. You know, like I kind of got to cherry pick who I was taking information yeah, from. Yeah, he's just shooting deer out of the truck window. Oh, Is dude. Yeah. There's all sorts. Of, I mean, that really happens. They'll you know, definitely I mean? or, Shit, especially in the South, you know, like these little <laughs> outlaws, like, man, I ain't, I ain't paying the government to fish. You know? The,
0: That's not just the Southern thing, believe me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's no, all. <laughs>
1: we kind of like the South kind of like, uh, glorifies outlaws though yeah you know like it's and there's many reasons for it but (laughs) yeah dude and then like seeing people that get a that aren't experienced get encouragement from that and you know that's like a the hunt a lot of the hunts i run i get like new folks come through and like working with them and watching them like have that success and like dude you just help them get to something that can never be taken away from them you know what i mean And maybe not the skill set, but the experience, man. You know, like, I've had people that I've killed. I've had quite a few people. It's their first bird they've ever killed. You know, it's like a person and their kid comes, and they hunt with their kid, and their kid gets their first bird. And then they sit out there, and they pluck birds with their kids, and, like, we roast hearts over the fire. And, like, you can see this kid is, like, feeling empowered and, like, oh, man, I can can do some stuff. And, like, just because I'm uncomfortable and it's cold and rainy, like, doesn't mean I... I don't just leave this for somebody else. I started this. I have a responsibility it's a um, dude it's so validating it's it feels great dude and it's you know so so what I guess that means that it's largely a narcissistic enterprise right like you could say that's all for somebody else, but like I like the way it makes me feel, yeah, and I justify it that I'm helping somebody but yeah, that, I, that's a good way. If, of I, it. if I was helping somebody and it made me feel bad, I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I I no, I I totally totally understand that. <laughs>
1: what uh totally unrelated question, man. What's going what's up with you and this mustache? How long are you going to rock it for?
0: So, I don't know. I mean, it might be a lifelong thing. I've had it. I haven't shaved it since 2018. Since the day I started the podcast, mm-hmm. I've had it. I used to just have it during uh the rut, and I yeah. call it the rut stash. Sure, sure. And have uh, yeah. even I made shirts on it and everything like that. It was just like my thing. I just joked about it. And I had this mustache and I went to total archery challenge. I was the first place I set up a booth and recorded my first podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my buddy Rob who works for total archery challenge was like, I was telling him about this idea I had for a podcast, but I was scared to do it. And he's like, let me get you hooked up with a booth space, and uh, you're going to do it. I'm like, Rob, that's in three weeks. He's like, figure it out. Yeah. And anyway, so I went there, and I had this mustache, and uh, um, Prime Archery was there. And at the time, I wasn't working with them. I just worked for a bow shop on the side. And uh, they were like, we want some like real consumers that are using our bows to uh, you know give testimonies. And I did this thing, and it was in a commercial. Well, I started the podcast, and I and I had interviewed – um, I had interviewed a guy and uh, I was like Tim Burnett uh, Soul Hunter and he yeah, yeah, was like yeah. Tim's like you know what's weird he's like I get a bunch of messages he's like for some reason like your picture popped up and I'm like I've seen this guy before Well, I was in his commercial for his TV show oh, yeah. and he's like He's like, he's like a big brand guy. He's like, dude, you can't get rid of that thing. He's like, You're, that's that's oh, recognizable. That's, your trademark now? that's yeah. He's like, that's and and that's not the only reason why I keep it. I can't grow a beard, so that's why it's kind of like. Sure and my, and right. my grandfather has a big mustache, and it's just like I don't know. I just kind of kept it, so I haven't I haven't decided if I'll I'll, I'll uh, continue for a, a lifetime with it. But as of right now, I don't see it going anywhere. There you go, man. Yeah, I
1: like it. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of mullets and stashes lately. This is the first time in my life I've ever just had a mustache. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Now, I've had, like, big, like, biker Like, Fu Manchu before. type stuff. Yeah, like, grow my beard. I mean, it would just be like, because I normally have a beard, and it would just be like me shave my cheeks and then cut the middle out of my mustache. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, dude, my kids wanted me to grow my hair out. They like. it, so I was like, I'll grow my hair out for a while. It's kind of becoming annoying again. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, man, I've never... I've never had a mustache. Let me see what's up. My mom also was like really against it, so I did it to irritate her
0: a bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, I've always kept my hair. Well, not I shouldn't say always. I, I usually keep my hair short, and I would like to grow it out during hunting season because I just. Yeah, More so lazy to book a, a hair appointment. and uh, But I've just kind of grown it out for the last year. And uh, I just got it trimmed last week, but it was a whole year since I even had it trimmed from having it completely, like, shaved yeah, yeah. to just letting it grow. No trimming, nothing. It was just, you know. I didn't cut my hair for 10 years. Like, I grew dread. I had, like, three, just three big,
1: giant dreadlocks. Did you really? Until I was, like, 28. Yeah, I think 28, man. Uh, <laughs> and it just... It's just like practicality's got on my nerves, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm, I think I've done my mustache. I think I'm gonna let my beard grow back. And, oh yeah, yeah, man. I uh, you don't want to be associated with me. I get it. No, I mean I look like unemployed neil degrasse tyson right now you know what i mean like (laughs) i just get my get that beard back man that beard also like covers up that little jug jug so (laughs) i just just let it come back it'll be all right i've irritated my mom and my wife enough
0: yeah that's that's really funny
1: these jokers look like they're trying to go shed hunt man yeah they think they are
0: (laughs) not without you huh no no i'm We we probably should wrap up. I got to do another video event. I'm sure you got some stuff planned here, and then you got to get out of here today, don't you?
1: Yeah, man. I'm gonna go eat sushi in Salt Lake City with Jay Byer and get my butt back to Arkansas by noon tomorrow. Five hundred dollar sushi dinner. Uh, I'm no. (laughs) (laughs) Byer's been spear fishing with Justin Lee in Hawaii, and he's making sushi.
0: Oh, Uh, I'm not
1: going for no. Yeah, I'm (laughs) going to Byer's house to use his shower. You know, like. I've slept in his house a bunch. I've slept in my van outside his house a bunch, man. Like, buyer's house is, like, the place you go to to, like, hang out. Mm -hmm. His wife's real cool, man. Real tough, cool lady, dude. Sweetheart. You know, his kid's awesome. Uh, It's just really... any, Any excuse I get to hang out with that dude, man. Like, he... He's the one who got me in with Sitka man. Like he took me on my only elk hunt, dude. Like, I love that guy and I want to hang out with him. I mean, really. Yeah, no, that's all. Awesome. And eat his sushi. And eat his sushi. Let's let's get to the root cause of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, oh, He's a good guy. Bye. He turned me on a sushi, man. I never all the cooking I've done, I was like, dude, this raw fish stuff, dog. And he like turned me on to it. And I was like, oh man, this is it it's all it is, is it's a matter of ingredients. Yep. If you're getting really excellent stuff, I can tell you I'm not gonna eat catfish ceviche in little rock you know like, <laughs> <laughs> i know you got this fish with like one of the best spear fishermen in the world and it was treated really well and you're gonna prepare it simply and like let it be what it is like i'll do that all
0: day long man heck yeah that's awesome well for anyone that's listening to to my podcast and doesn't know who you are give give some yeah, yeah. how people can find you
1: uh it's just black duck revival uh there's like a couple YouTube things. There's like a meat eater thing. If you just look at Black Duck Revival on Google, and then same thing on Instagram or the website. And there's like recipes on there. There's uh, by the time this comes out, I'll I'll have my hunt school dates announced. We're doing some stuff in Texas, hunting on Johnny Ringo's old ranch. You know Johnny Ringo from Tombstone? Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> Don't you have the guts to play
0: for blood?
1: <laughs> like the, I guess he built this ranch, and so we're doing some uh, like hunt schools there and. Uh, yeah, but, but I don't know, just Black Duck Revival, you'll find me
0: Awesome, man well, And then, what about you? Okay, well, nah, my stuff's just East Meets West East Meets West Hunt is the podcast And Instagram, East Meets West Outdoors Website, YouTube Or my name, Bo Martonic You search either of those, you'll find all my stuff there so. Dude, real what's the etymology of Martonic? Um, so, that is uh, Czechoslovakian Dude, dude What? that's
1: awesome man yeah i'm fascinated by that stuff yeah I was like that's some eastern european stuff right there yeah so, yeah, like, no, yeah that's ex-
0: exactly right so. sweet dude
1: yeah uh yeah that's a, i just i'm just finding it interesting i just wanted to know man your yeah. name's your name's not smith so i wanted to know <laughs> yeah well shit man hey i appreciate it it's cool to get to hang with you bud yeah man it was great having this conversation appreciate it buddy yeah for sure and uh everybody thanks for listening until next time